The following is a presentation of The Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at ConnectionChurchNC.com. How y'all doing this morning? You guys good? Let's give it up for that worship team, man. That was some phenomenal worship leading us to the throne this morning. I'm going to sit down with my wife here in just a second, but I have to start standing up. Uh, Man, we're into this wonderful series, More Than a Feeling. We're going to be talking about love. We're going to be talking about relationships. We're going to be talking about marriage this morning. But before you single people check out, because I know how some of you are, you're like, well, I'm not married. Well, listen, maybe you will be married one day. I, I know. So if one of these days you're going to be married, listen, just consider this your first pre-marriage counseling session on the house, okay? Because we charge a lot of money for that, all right? So just consider this your first session. And, and some of you are sitting here, well, Scott, I'm never getting married or I'm never getting married again. Listen, praise God for you. You're probably the smartest people in the room, right? So if, if that's you today, don't check out either. You don't get a pass. You don't get to go to the coffee table and eat all the donuts that are left over. Listen, what we're going to be talking about here today involves relationships, And if you're a human being and you breathe, you are involved in relationships. So it will affect those relationships that you have that are outside marriage or outside any potential marriage that you may have. So please don't check out. We're going to have a good time talking this morning. I promise you we're going to keep it PG-13-ish. So again, as Pastor Bradley said, if you have some children in here, we'll let you take them out if you want to right now. And we'll just wait for you to get back. So you guys go ahead, okay? Okay, good. So we're going to stick around for this. Hey, listen, there's some important things that I want to cover real quick. Where's Pastor Bradley? Is he still in here? Pastor Bradley, where are you at, man? Stand up. Everybody turn around. He's in the back of the room. Listen, Pastor Bradley gets it here at Connection Church, and I, he doesn't even know that I'm going to do this, but I want to point him out because Pastor Bradley is the newest addition to the High Point Fire Department. He is the newest chaplain to the High Point Fire Department. And you say, well, Scott, isn't that going to take him away from his job here as the executive pastor slash campus pastor at Connection Church? You know what? It might. But you see, what God is doing here in Connection Church is way bigger than just Connection Church. What he's doing here in this community is just that. It is about our community. And so Pastor Bradley is affecting and touching lives that may never, ever, ever step foot into a Connection Church building. But he he understands that God and his movement is way bigger than Connection Church. And so I just want to applaud him. You guys be praying for him because he's got a lot, a lot of influence with those wonderful men and women of the High Point Fire Department. So continue to lift all of those men and women up, if you don't mind. My beautiful wife is here. She's going to be speaking. Yeah, you can give it up for her. She's here today, going to be dropping a lot of wisdom. She's going to be speaking to you ladies because my feminine side, I'm just not feeling it too well today. Um, I had pink pants on earlier, but it just I, like I said, I wasn't feeling it. I took them off. So she's going to sit here today and speak a lot of wisdom into some ladies in the room. Um, and so men, let me go ahead and say, if you're sitting beside your spouse and you have not told her yet this morning that she is beautiful, you need to do it right now, okay? Like right now. You see, I told my wife earlier how good she looked, and we almost missed church, right? <laughs> I was thinking, man, there's 11 o'clock service. We'll just make that one. You see what I'm saying? 
So men, like if you have not told your wife how good she looks this morning, I don't even care if you don't think she doesn't look that good this morning. Lie to her now. Awesome. Guys, we told you we've had this this giveaway planned for several weeks. How many of you in this room signed up for it? If you would, stand to your feet. I want to see how many of you want to win a night away with your spouse. Cool. Are you guys, no, don't sit down, Valerie. I can see the first couple of rows. Sweet. Here we go, guys. Y'all stay standing because we're going to draw this thing out. Daisha, why don't you draw it out? Drum roll, Ashton. Where are you? There you go. Here we go. Did you just get one name? Yep, one name. Scott and Daisha Newton. Woo! All right. No. Randy and Kathy McCarn. I don't think they're... Are they here in this service? Awesome. I can see you guys. Awesome, Randy and Kathy. That is awesome. Awesome. Your gift pack, awesome, is at the welcome table. And and listen, this is going to be a wonderful night. You guys get to pick the date, and Bradley Hill is paying for it. So you guys, uh, it's awesome. You guys, I promise, will enjoy it. Just go to the welcome table, and they will hook you up with all that you need to to know and all of that wonderful stuff. But we're going to get started here. We're going to have a good time this morning. Um, listen, I'm not one for PDA. Um, some of our younger people in here probably don't even know what PDA is. Do you guys know what PDA is? Yeah, y'all are like, huh? It's public display of affection. I just don't do it that much. I'm not that good at it. Hey, listen, I'm going to make this offer today. This morning, if you're sitting there with your spouse and you want to hold their hand, hey, go for it, man. That's a good start. Good, Ben. You're so, man, man, you make the rest of us guys look sick. Don't you be kissing on her or anything like that. You see, we're not going to have time this morning to cover all that encompasses a healthy marriage. We're just not. We're not going to be able to talk about affection and communication and trustworthiness and dating our spouse, which all of those things are of the utmost importance, guys. I'll just go ahead and say it. If you're not taking some time to find a night with your spouse, listen, you've got to do that. Some of you are going to say, listen, we don't have money. What doesn't cost money? Some of you are going to say, well, we don't have babysitters. I promise you, if you want to date your spouse bad enough, there's somebody in this Piedmont Triad area that loves you enough that will take care of your kids. So the excuses have to stop. Those type of things have to stop if we want a healthy marriage because that's what we're going to be talking about today. Listen, Daisha and I are not sitting up here today as experts. We're not. We're not sitting up here as people who even have a perfect marriage. Far from it. Guys, do you know that your pastor and his wife, we still fight and and we've become pretty good at it. Sometimes she makes me madder than Flappy Birds. I promise you she does. <laughs> there are times when she makes me that mad. And there are times when she is that mad at me. We have arguments. We have fights. I mean, do you remember that time that you made me snap that remote control right in half? Do you remember that? She made me so mad. We were in a hotel room. I don't even remember what we were fighting about. But I took the TV remote and I snapped it in half. I thought that was going to show her just how manly I was. 
You remember that? Do you remember the time that I left your golf bag on the 10th tee? Listen, they've heard all of that. Because you were being so mean to me? Listen, listen, you were just tired and couldn't carry it anymore. No. I remember, you, you remember that time we were driving home from Houston, Texas, and we hadn't been married that long, uh, less than a year. You remember the conversation? It was about when we got home, we were getting a divorce. You remember that? Do you remember that argument we had in front of our family, and we were really, really mad and yelling, and they were all sitting around watching us? And Which time? Yeah. <laughs> Last week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... Listen, that's it. And we could spend the rest of the time this morning talking about our faults and our imperfections. But there's a very important reason that why we're sitting up here this morning together. There's one thing that if you don't hear anything else that we've talked about here this morning, there's one thing that we want you to hear that holds a marriage together. You see, all of those things that we've talked about over 14 years in our marriage all the mistakes. We had to remind ourselves constantly over those 14 years that it is not about us being happy. Like God did not want us to get married to be happy. But when we focus on this one thing that we're going to talk about today, it's amazing how many good times we've had together over those 14 years. And some of you may say, well, Scott, just get to the point. Well, let me tell you first why we're sitting up here today. Why did I bring my wife in on this conversation this morning? You see, we're doing this this morning because I am really tired. I am honestly so tired of hearing all of the complaints. I'm tired of hearing all of the destruction I'm tired of hearing about all of the divorce. I'm tired about all of the affairs. I'm tired about all of the mess that's taking place in people's marriages. I'm tired of it. Because I honestly believe that that is not what God wants for you and your marriage. I know it is not what he wants for your marriage. It's not what he wants for your future marriage. It's not what he wants for any of your relationships. And you say, well, Scott, ours isn't that bad, and I'm not having an affair. We don't really talk about divorce. There's not that much mess. Well, then listen, I want you to know this. When I go to restaurants, and I sit there with my family, and I see this couple sitting across the way, and I see this couple sitting at the restaurant, and they look like they don't even know each other. It's like that they're playing the silent game. It's like that they just met because there's no joy. It's like he's miserable and she's just ready for the meal to get over, hoping that he doesn't ask her a question where she has to act like she has to even answer it. You've seen those couples, and I don't want that for anyone in here either. So wherever you fall on that scale, I truly believe that there is the possibility 
There is potential for marriages that today are not healthy. I truly believe that there is potential for them to flourish and to be healthy. But there's some things that are going to have to change. And today that's what we want to talk about. Today we want to talk about the most important thing in your marriage. And it's what has held Daisha and I together for 14 years. Because if this one thing was not in our marriage, she and I would have been long gone. And so here we go. You have a Bible. Take it. Turn with me to John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus is talking, and he says this. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Pay close attention to what I read to you next, because this is the focal point of the rest of our time this morning. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, I truly believe that that's where things start to unravel. And if you would come into my office, that's probably the first question that I would ask you. Husband, wife, how is your relationship with Jesus? You see, that's where things start to unravel not only in our personal life, but also in our marriage. Because we're trying to do this thing called marriage apart from Jesus. Some of us are trying to do it apart from Jesus and we don't even realize it. Some of us are making this mistake and we don't even know it. Daisha and I were guilty of this. It was mostly my fault. It always is, right, men? We'll get to that in a little bit. But we didn't even know that we were trying to do this marriage thing apart from Jesus. Daisha, why don't you tell them about some of our past? Well, I wouldn't say it was mostly your fault because I had... That's not what you say at home. Well, with other things, but I got the first throw under the bus this morning. All right, there we go. Because um, when I was first married, when we were first married, I had the same impression that everybody had, I think, or most people have, that it was designed to make me happy. And I was just so excited about getting married because it was just the ideal of what marriage was going to be about and like. And um, I had been a believer for a number of years before that. and, And Scott was a believer too. But yet at the same time, I still somehow had a misconception of what I wanted him to do for me. And that was because of what I was not, the importance I was putting on him rather than on Jesus. And in that, I learned through all those really bad days. And it seems like every city, and we talk about our first years of marriage because um, that's when it was really hard because we were traveling, we were playing golf and we were trying to make a living doing something that, um, I would not wish on anyone. 
So if you're thinking of doing that professionally, don't do it. Um, but it was hard because we were together nonstop, but at the same time we didn't, we were learning who each other were and spiritually we were not where we needed to be. And so we were looking for each other to be something that only God could be for us. And that was the mistake I made. I looked to Scott to be something that fill a void in me that only Jesus could fill. And I don't say that lightly because like we said, we've only been married 14 years, um, to some, that may seem long. It's not really that long. But at the same time, um, I think we have learned that no person is designed to carry the burden of being what only Jesus can be for us. Um, and I just learned that through the heartache and the, and the bad times. It was just, that's what I was, I, I came to the realization that you just can't do it, baby. So basically what she's saying is that I was not Jesus. I was not perfect. And that she was looking to me to replace the void in her life that only Jesus could fill. Listen, I think that there's a lot of us in here that are making that same mistake. And that's why we're constantly mad, angry. There's tension. There's this, uh, there's this rub that we have with our spouse because we're looking to our spouse. She's talking to the women. Listen, I'll talk to you men. We're looking to our wives to do something for us that only Jesus can do. Only Jesus can fill this void in our life as men. So men, listen up real quick. I know how you like it just straight to the point. So listen up. I'm going to get straight to the point. What she just said was that your wife needs to look to Jesus to fill this void. That Jesus can only do for her what Jesus can. You can't. Do for her what Jesus can. Now listen to me, men. That does not mean that you're off the hook. It does not mean that. I know some of you men in there are like, oh, well, finally she's going to figure that out. That does not mean that. You see, men, you men are, let me rephrase that. Those of you men in here who claim to follow Jesus, who love Jesus, who said, Jesus, I need you as my Savior, you Christian men in the room today, you are called to be the spiritual leader of your home, not your wife. You're called to lead your home closer to Jesus. And so men, you have to help us out here. We here at this church are going to do our part, I promise you. We have some wonderful people who work very hard in helping you out. Men, we're going to start to do things even better for you. We're going to do manly type of things for you men to show you that loving Jesus in the year 2014 is not for sissies. We're going to show you men that loving Jesus is going to make you a better lover of your wife. In return, if you have children, it will make you a better lover of your children. It will show you that you will become less of a lover of yourself as we show you what it truly means to love Jesus. I don't know where we went wrong in showing you that it was weak or a sissy thing to follow Jesus. I will say this. You have to be a man to follow Jesus 
and do some of the things that I see some of the Christian men in my life doing. And so we're going to help you understand that. Listen, we know you guys like to do fishing type of things. I don't like to touch worms. I don't know why you would either, but some of you guys do. Some of you like to hunt, and that's wonderful. That's, that's great. Some of you, you, you like to... You just like to do different things. You like to play golf. That's awesome. We're going to do that with you. We're, we're going to do some things that men like to do. But in the meantime of doing those things, we're going to talk about real life. And we're going to talk about Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one that is going to give your marriage and your relationships and your future hope. And so, men, we're going to do our part in forming this relationship with you and with Jesus. But, men, you're going to have to act like an adult here. And you're going to have to meet us halfway because we're going to do our part. We can't do your part, too. Okay? Some of you ladies are sitting out there, maybe, and maybe even some of you men. And you're saying, well, Scott, you singled out the Christian men in the room, the ones who said yes to Jesus. What about me, though, Scott? Because my spouse is not a follower of Jesus. Like, I'm really pursuing this Jesus thing, but my spouse has nothing to do with it. Scott, what do I do then? Daish, why don't you tell them a little bit about us? Because you thought that I was further along in my relationship with Jesus when I, I really wasn't. Like, Jesus really wasn't that important to me. I actually made you think that he was more important to me than what he really was. Um, I would say probably um, that the it really wouldn't be any different for the one of those that said that they had been a follower for Jesus for a long time and those that were committed um, and not committed, I mean, um, because ultimately the only person who can fulfill you is Jesus. And I, we don't say that lightly. I don't want to sound like I'm just giving you a pat answer. Um, but even ones who have husbands who are not followers, you're going to operate the same way because you're going to fall deeply in love with Jesus. And because you fall deeply in love with Jesus, you're going to be able to love your husband regardless of his actions and his attitude. Um, not dependent upon this situation and not dependent upon their attitude to, towards you, but because Christ lives in you. And when I realized that, I think is um, when I felt free. Um, I remember times where when he would, again, we're going to talk about on the road when we were traveling, and because he was playing golf, he would have to go hit balls like an hour before he would tee off. And because I was the caddy, I was not going to stand out there for an hour in the cold or rain or whatever. So I would sit in the car, and because I was absolutely miserable, I would sit there and I would just pour my heart out to God. And I would cry, and I would say, is this all that there is is this what our marriage is consisted of, that I am absolutely miserable and I'm stuck? I'm, I'm, I'm stuck with him. And that's what it felt like. And it felt awful. But at the same time, God used that time for me. And I know the ladies in my small group, they've heard this story a hundred times. So they're probably like, whoa. But 
I would sit there and pour my heart out to God. And because I did, I fell in love with God, with Jesus, instead of expecting Scott to do for me what only Jesus could. Um, And so the women that are having relationships where they are the only believer, they are the spiritual stronghold right now of their family, continue to press on and do it because you love Jesus, not because of your husband and what he offers you. Um, Because your response is going to be the same now as it is when he is a follower of Jesus. It just makes your relationship much richer. But it's the same now as when they're not a believer. Yeah, uh, there's probably some of the thoughts running through some of the ladies' minds. I ought to talk to the men in a second. Tell, 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 tell some of the ladies here, what did you actually do? Um, like, I know you have some scriptures that you're probably going to read, but what did you actually do? Um, maybe it's something that they can take away here this morning. What, did, what can you share with them that you actually did during those stuck times? I didn't know you felt stuck, man. That makes me feel really good. But what did you do during those stuck times? Can you tell them maybe some takeaways from here? I did feel stuck. It was awful. <laughs> I mean, it was. Um, I, I had to first, um, just because of the misery of it, really, honestly, I was just... I was disillusioned in what marriage was, and because it wasn't what I wanted it to be, I was, I was upset. So um, I had to admit that my best efforts, um, no matter how I worded it, no how, matter how much I withheld, no matter how much I um, pleaded, no matter how much I asked, I was not able to make him the man of God that I wanted him to be. And so I first had to admit that I am completely out of control of his life, that my relationship with Jesus had become second to making him who I wanted him to be. And so I just, first off, I had to admit that I was out of, I had no more control than what I thought. I I, I just thought I was in more control than what I was. Um, And second, I... I literally, like I said before, I would pour my heart out to God because my God is all-knowing, all-loving. He's consistent. He is the husband that you need, honestly, and not to cheese it up, but he is. And when you fall in love with him, then you're free to enjoy the people around you the way that they are, no matter if they measure up, because they're never going to measure up. People are not God. And so I think that I was in danger of making him more important than God. So I poured my heart out to God, um, and I admitted my, felt, my inability to change him, and I also prayed specific prayers. And um, the reason why I have my Bible open is in, like, Ephesians um, chapter 1 and verse 3. It's just two prayers that I would consistently pray for Scott, um, and they still, I still pray him. I still pray him daily. Um, and verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Not for me to reveal to Scott who God is, but for God to reveal to him who he is so that he'll know him better. 
I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And then in chapter three, down at the bottom, I can barely read it because it is so um, faded. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. So it took the focus off of what my role was other than falling in love with Jesus. That was my role. My role was simply to fall in love with Jesus and then pray for that same relationship for Scott. Some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, you know, if my wife could just do that for me, if my wife was this way, listen. Make her miserable enough she may. (laughs) Turn her mic off because I'm going to talk the rest of the time. Because we keep score, right, in everything we do. We're not even going to talk about that today. But, but listen, your wife, men, your wife does love you this much. I promise you she does. She does want to fight for this thing. Does she show it all the time? No, because she's not perfect. She's not perfect. I'm not perfect. But she loves you this much. I mean, she's sitting here probably with you today. If she's not with you here today, she probably wants to be. And so your wife does love you this much. She's willing to fight for it. She's willing to pray through this thing. And so men, again, listen carefully. The majority, the vast majority of the health of your home is on your shoulders. Men, it's up to you. Your wife loves you this much. The majority of the health rides on you. And so men, husbands, you need to step up and be the man that you know God is calling you to be. Listen, I know many of you in this room. I don't know some of you. But man, you guys are wonderful to be around. I mean, as I look around and I see some of you, man, I love seeing you at this church. We have a great time. I work closely with some of you. And you are fun to be with. I would just challenge you to be that way at home. Because what happens is sometimes we go home, men, and I'm guilty. So I'm speaking from experience. As I go through my day, high-fiving, fist-bumping, giving you guys everything I have, giving you guys my best, and then some. And when I go home, I simply give leftovers. I open up the fridge, and I give what's left. Some of you say, well, Scott, I like leftovers. No, you don't. You like saving money. (laughs) Your wife and your children do not like leftovers. Men, we have to give our homes the very best. Instead of giving everyone else the filet mignon and our wives and our children whatever's left, 
We've got to reverse the roles. And that's my challenge for you today to walk out of here is when we walk in the house, we give them the very best. Scott, how do I do that? I was watching the Olympics. And I was watching the biathlon with the skiers and the shooters. Some of you were watching that last night too and you missed this. Let me refresh your memory. The skiers are skiing their heart out. But when they get to the point where they have to shoot, they have to have a little bit of reserve so they're not breathing so hard. Listen, we cannot go so hard out here and give everything we have out here that we have nothing left to give at home. We have to have something left to give at home. I lead our staff with this, and I will share it with you. Imagine you have a cup, and that cup has to be filled. However you fill that cup, and whatever is filling that cup, that cup has to be full for us to live off of. It has to be full for us to live off of. Hear me. But for us to be able to give to others, that cup has to be overflowing. And so we've not only got to figure out what fills that cup up, we've got to figure out how to fill it up and then some, church. And listen, I want to go back to the one thing. The one thing has a name, and his name is Jesus. And it is a true, sincere relationship with Jesus that is going to overflow your cup. So that, yes, you can go out into this community and make a difference. But then when you go home, you're also making a difference. You have to have your cup overflowing. And Jesus is the only one who can do that. Well, Scott, how do I do that? You guys talk about Jesus all the time here at this church. Have you heard us say that in 40 minutes on Sunday morning is not enough? That's why we have phenomenal small groups at this church. My wife, ladies, leads a small group. Nicole Rothrock is just starting a new ladies' small group. Ladies, there are places for you to get plugged in in this church where you can learn to fill up your cup. We have men's groups that are going to be starting up that you can go play golf with some of your friends and learn about Jesus at the same time. You're going to go fish with some men and learn about Jesus at the same time. But if you think that you can come here and check in for 45 minutes and fill up your cup and then some, guys, you're illusion. The fairy tale is just going to remain that. A fairy tale. As we here at this church know how amazing Jesus is. And we want to share how amazing he is with you. I truly believe what Jesus said. Apart from him, you can do nothing. But I believe the opposite of that is true as well. With Jesus, you guys can do everything. Husbands, with Jesus... You can be the husband and the man of God that he designed you to be. With Jesus, you can be the father that your children actually miss when you're not home. 
with Jesus, husbands, you can be the husband that your wife wishes that would be home instead of being, whew, he's gone again. It's out there. With Jesus as your life, everything is possible. Here's what we're going to do. I want to pray with you. But there's some of you maybe in this room today. And you're saying, Scott, man, my marriage, it doesn't have a month left. It's that bad. It just doesn't have a month left. If that's you today, I don't need you to stand up, raise a hand. I don't even need to talk to you after this service. If that's you today, what I want you to do is I want you to take a connection card that's somewhere around you. And I want you to write on there somewhere, Scott, our marriage needs Jesus. And then I want you, as you leave, to drop that card at the welcome table face down. Our staff are the only ones who are going to see it because Pastor Bradley, myself, or Pastor Brent are going to clear our schedule. And we're going to make sure that we get with you ASAP. We believe in it that much. And we're going to sit and we're going to discuss what needs to take place next. And we're going to talk to you about your relationship, first with Jesus and then with each other. And then we'll see what needs to take place next. And so right now, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads. Don't leave here today. If that's you, without letting us know that your marriage needs Jesus. Hey, listen, this stuff's not easy. It takes work, but most importantly, it takes a love for Jesus. Hey, wife, listen to me. I promise you, if you fight for it, with everything that you have, it will be worth it. Husband, I promise you, if you give everything you have to her, I promise you it will be worth it. I promise you it will be worth it. Jesus, thank you for being so wonderful. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I'm thankful that you are the one who died for us, who forgives us of all of our sins. And Jesus, I'm thankful that you are the one who touches people's blind eyes and gives them sight. Jesus, I am so thankful that you are the one who touches legs and causes them to be able to walk. Jesus, I'm thankful that you are the one who touches dead man and makes him rise and live. And Jesus, I just happen to believe 
that you are the one who can touch these broken, struggling relationships and marriages. And God, you can cause them to flourish and you can cause them to come to life and you can come and cause them to produce things that they never could have ever dreamed. Jesus, thank you for giving us everything. Thank you for giving us your life. God, thank you for giving us hope through your son, Jesus. God, I praise you right now in advance for what is going to take place, for the healing that is going to take place in the name of Jesus, for the restoration that is going to take place. Jesus, we love you.